0: We got the alternative energy free autonomy. And welcome
1: to the radioactive show, produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network.
2: I had a dream, which was not all a dream. The bright sun was extinguished. And the stars did wander darkling in the eternal space, rayless and pathless, and the icy earth swung blind and blackening in the moonless air. Morn came and went, and came and brought no day. And men forgot their passions in the dread of this their desolation. And all hearts were chilled into a selfish prayer for light. And they did live by watch-fires, And the thrones, the palaces of crowned kings, the huts, the habitations of all things which dwell, were burnt for beacons. Cities were consumed, and men were gathered round their blazing homes to look once more into each other's face.
1: This week on The Radioactive Show, we hear about the fundamental realities of nuclear weapons through the essay, Stumbling in the Dark, Reaching for the Light, written and read by Dr. Tillman Ruff, which was published in the Right Now anthology, Poetic Justice, in 2014. Tillman is an associate professor at the Nossel Institute for Global Health at the University of Melbourne. In addition to his work at the Nossel, he serves as medical advisor to the International Department of the Australian Red Cross and involved in the Nobel Peace Prize winning International Physicians for the Prevention of Nuclear War. He helped establish the Australian Management Committee of the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons. We were lucky enough to bring Tillman into 3CR's studios to read his 2013 essay for us. Some dates and statistics have been updated since its original publication. The Radioactive Show is produced in the studios of 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. This edition was produced by me, Jessie Boylan. Thanks for listening. Now let's hear, stumbling in the dark, reaching for the light.
2: Lord Byron's evocative and prescient poem, Darkness, was written in 1816, the year without a summer, following the 1815 volcanic eruption of Mount Tambora in Indonesia. Byron wrote it at Geneva when there was a celebrated dark day on which the fowls went to roost at noon and the candles were lighted as at midnight. Average global cooling in 1816 from the volcanic debris blasted into the atmosphere was 0.7 degrees, enough to cause widespread crop failures in North America and famine across Europe and India, despite good harvests in 1815 and 1817. Just 100 Hiroshima-sized nuclear bombs, less than 1% of the global nuclear arsenal, in fact less than one-tenth of 1% of the global nuclear arsenal, would generate more than 5 million tonnes of soot and smoke if targeted at cities. In addition to local devastation and widespread radioactive contamination, the climate impact would be catastrophic. Global cooling would be twice as large as following the Tambora explosion and would persist not a couple of years, but for over a decade or even two, decimating global agriculture. On top of that would come the effects of price hikes, hoarding of food, food riots, conflict within and between states over food supplies, the disease epidemics that inevitably spread through malnourished populations, disruption to trade and the complex international supply chain for agricultural inputs, for seed, fertiliser, pesticides, fuel and machinery. World grain reserves currently range between 60 and 70 days supply. The 925 million people chronically malnourished today and the additional 300 plus million highly dependent on imported food could not expect to survive such a prolonged global food shortage. Famine on a scale never before witnessed would worst affect poor and malnourished people even on the other side of the world from the nuclear explosions. Such global famine is well within the capacity not only of the US and Russian arsenals, with between them more than 90% of the world's roughly 16,000 nuclear weapons, but also the smaller arsenals of China, France, the United Kingdom, India, Israel and Pakistan. In fact, all the nine current nuclear-armed states, except for North Korea. That the smaller nuclear arsenals of tens or hundreds of weapons pose not only a regional threat, but a global danger, has profound implications. It's not widely understood that the most acute risk of abrupt and dangerous climate disruption is from nuclear weapons. The extent of our collective vulnerability is illustrated by the fact that the nuclear warheads carried on a single US Ohio-class submarine, if targeted on Chinese cities, could produce not five, but 23 million tonnes of smoke. The US has 14 such submarines, Russia 10 similar ones. The fundamental realities of nuclear weapons are as profound as they are clear. Nuclear weapons are by far the most destructive, indiscriminate, persistently toxic weapons ever invented. Single nuclear weapons have been built with more destructive power than all explosives used in all wars throughout human history. In its landmark resolution of 2011, the Council of Delegates of the Red Cross and Red Crescent Movement, its highest governing body, finds it difficult to envisage how any use of nuclear weapons could be compatible with the rules of international humanitarian law. In particular, the rules of distinction, precaution and proportionality. So it's virtually impossible to affect to limit the effects in time and space of this type of weapon and in our view it's virtually impossible to use it in accordance with international humanitarian law. While they exist, there's a danger they will be used. The only way to eliminate this danger is to eradicate nuclear weapons. While some nations possess them, others will inevitably seek to acquire them or the means to produce them in short order. These means are now readily accessible around the world, even to isolated and impoverished countries like North Korea. The lifetimes of uranium and plutonium isotopes, which can fuel bombs, are measured over tens of thousands to millions of years. Human intent, nation-states, the politics of the day can change on a dime. Hence, stocks of fissile materials the capacity to create more and nuclear weapons themselves are the problems, irrespective of the intentions of their custodians at any particular point in time.
1: The bomb went off the whole inside of the airplane just lit up as if someone had set off a flashbulb. And then we had to wait and this was our big worry is what would the blast do when the blast got to the airplane? And finally the blast did arrive. It was like being in an ash can and getting someone kicking. And then we... uh, crowded to the window and uh, saw uh, just the whole city completely covered in smoke with this very tall mushroom
0: cloud rising from it.
2: Whatever their ostensible justification or purpose, a nuclear weapon is a nuclear weapon. Once detonated, whether through accident, cyber attack, in retaliation when deterrence fails or any other human or technical failing or combination of them, the searing catastrophe they would unleash is dictated by the laws of physics alone. Even a single nuclear weapon exploded over a city would cause a humanitarian catastrophe to which no effective response capacity exists or indeed is feasible. If nuclear weapons were used, nuclear retaliation and escalation are very likely to follow. It will not matter whose nuclear weapons were used first, second or third. The weapons of our allies will kill us just as surely and indiscriminately as anybody else's. Albert Einstein reflected that the splitting of the atom has changed everything except our way of thinking, and thus we drift towards unparalleled catastrophe. From any vantage point, there is a massive dinosaur in the room. Tiptoeing around, hoping it might go away if we ignore it, is not a viable strategy for survival, for sustainability, for health, for the progressive realisation of human rights, for anything else that matters in this thin shell of planet Earth in which all living things known to us dwell. Since nuclear weapons entered our world, everything has changed, whether we like it or not. Ready or not.
1: You're listening to the Radioactive show produced in the studios of 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast nationally by the Community Radio Network. We're hearing Tillman Ruff reading his essay, Stumbling in the Dark, Reaching for the Light, published in 2014 by Right Now. This essay speaks of the global implications of nuclear war. Let's get back to
2: it. There are three major sets of existential challenges we collectively need to navigate. These go beyond the well-being, life and death of individuals and populations alive at any one time and speak to the habitability of our Earth, to whether there will be a place for future generations. One is collision of the Earth with a large celestial body. Such collisions have been the main cause of previous major extinctions, like that of the dinosaurs. The second is environmental change and degradation and depletion of vital resources, rampant global warming posing the greatest such challenge. The third, most acute, is the danger of nuclear war. The World Health Organisation, the world's leading health agency, has concluded that nuclear weapons constitute the greatest immediate threat to human health and welfare. Preventing use of nuclear weapons necessitates their eradication, a necessary, urgent and feasible precondition for securing global health and sustainability. Two of these great challenges are of human origin. Needing human solutions. In all our long evolutionary history, we are the first generations to face such existential challenges. While the extraordinary responsibility we bear is a difficult burden, it is also a very precious gift. Few people in all of human history have had as great an opportunity as we now have to avert harm and do good for humanity and for all the denizens of planet Earth. ...with whom we are intertwined and who will follow. The last few decades have seen major progress... ...on the elimination of other indiscriminate and inhumane weapons... ...chemical and biological weapons, landmines and cluster munitions. It represents a profound failure of the global community that the worst weapons of all, nuclear weapons, remain the only ones not subject to a specific legal prohibition.
0: Within a mile of zero point, the devastation speaks for itself. But in these very ruins, army cameramen have found and filmed pictorial evidence that tells in twisted steel and stone the effect of death-dealing atomic power.
2: It is now 70 years since the nuclear bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, 45 years since the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, or NPT, entered into force, and 19 years since the judges of the International Court of Justice held unanimously that there exists an obligation to pursue in good faith and bring to a conclusion negotiations leading to nuclear disarmament in all its aspects, under strict and effective international control. Yet we still have no binding, verifiable, legal framework to eradicate nuclear weapons. And we have no international controls on uranium enrichment or the reprocessing of spent nuclear reactor fuel, both of which can provide the feedstock for nuclear weapons. Meanwhile, all the nuclear-armed states are investing massively in the modernisation of their nuclear arsenals and justifying their planned retention indefinitely.
0: But I think it's a a good moment to stand back and ask ourselves about the dangers there are in the world and the need to maintain strong defences.
2: In addressing such momentous challenges, we need wisdom from all cultures, faiths and ethical traditions. Lessons, insights tools and perspectives from every field of human endeavour and the recognition that whatever our core business eradicating nuclear weapons is part of everyone's business like respect for universal human rights like addressing global climate disruption on the scale and urgency demanded nuclear weapons are a critical human rights issue the most urgent development issue the paramount sustainability issue, potentially the most egregious violation of international humanitarian law, the most urgent environmental issue, the most profound ethical issue, the greatest blasphemy.
1: You're listening to The Radioactive Show, produced in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. We're listening to the essay, Stumbling in the Dark, Reaching for the Light, written and read by Dr. Tillman Ruff of the Nossel Institute of Global Health, published in 2014 by Right Now. Never before have humans faced such existential challenges related to nuclear weapons. Let's keep listening.
2: Two perspectives key to progress on complex global challenges like nuclear weapons and climate disruption are a global view transcending tribalism of all kinds, whether cultural, religious, ethnic or nation-state based, and a long-term ecological perspective that recognises human dependence on ecosystem services and custodial responsibilities for the biosphere. These both have strong roots in ancient wisdoms from many traditions, particularly indigenous ones, and are also increasingly underscored by scientific evidence and the ever-growing realities of global interdependence. There are few frames as powerful in a global view of human affairs and interests as the affirmation of universal human rights. The right to life is, after all, the precondition for the enjoyment of all other rights. If nuclear weapons are used, everything else could become tragically irrelevant in an afternoon. Law, politics and culture have yet to fully catch up with the reality of the existential threats faced not only by those alive today, but all those who might follow us. The rights of future generations, and of the myriad living things other than human beings, and of the biosphere, a far more complex and wondrous thing than the sum of its parts, barely gets a mention in any of the widely accepted human rights instruments. Nor is prohibition and elimination of nuclear weapons high on the agenda of international human rights organisations. For example... The section on weapons and human rights on the Amnesty International website focuses only on conventional weapons. And the only specific recent Amnesty statement regarding nuclear weapons readily identifiable in a Google search is a welcome single sentence addressing the last question in a 10 April 2013 question and answer on the North Korea human rights crisis, which says, Amnesty International opposes the use, possession, production and transfer of nuclear weapons, given their indiscriminate nature. Some recent initiatives have brought a human rights focus to nuclear issues. One is a 2012 report to the UN Human Rights Council by the Special Rapporteur on the implications for human rights of the environmentally sound management and disposal of hazardous substances and wastes, Georgescu, on the ongoing recognition, care and compensation needs of Marshall Islanders harmed by U.S. atmospheric nuclear tests on and near their islands in the 1950s and the long-term continuing environmental monitoring and clean-up needs. The second is the landmark 2012 report of the Fukushima Nuclear Accident Independent Investigation Commission established by Japan's National Diet or Parliament. The Commission highlights the lack of priority given to the well-being and safety of all Japanese citizens, the first responsibility of any government. Among the conclusions of the Commission that the 2011 Fukushima nuclear accident was the result of collusion between the government, regulators and TEPCO. They effectively betrayed the nation's right to be safe from nuclear accidents. The Commission concludes that the government and regulators are not fully committed to protecting public health and safety, that they have not acted to protect the health of the residents and to restore their welfare. The third is an excellent report to the UN Human Rights Council by the UN Special Rapporteur on the right of everyone to the enjoyment of the highest attainable standard of physical and mental health, Mr Anand Grover, who addresses the right to health for those affected by the Fukushima nuclear disaster. Grover makes recommendations to address the various ways in which the health and safety of people have been neglected in order to reduce the eventual compensation bill.
0: So my recommendation has been that you have to look at the process because people are involved and the right of every individual to make decisions. And you must protect the right of health of the affected populations and mandate the state not to interfere with the right to health. And basically, when you don't know the long-term effects, the state has to err on the side of caution. That is the message. Now, in that context, you have to do more detailed studies. You cannot go on. What the Japanese government has done is, well, Chernobyl, we know it's only thyroid cancer. That's it. The others will see, but there is no proactive effort by the Japanese government to make sure that they study other cancers. And this is a, I won't use the word ideal opportunity, but this is an excellent opportunity to study. it. It's happened now. We can't wish it away. So, why don't you do extensive studies? If you haven't done that.
2: There are fundamental human rights dimensions to nuclear technology, whether weapons or power generation. A so called inalienable right of nations to the use of nuclear energy for peaceful purposes, articulated in Article 4 of the NPT, in reality means exposing people and other living things worldwide to a risk of indiscriminate, catastrophic, radioactive contamination at any time. Nuclear power erodes the health and rights of future generations. Through its inevitable generation of plutonium and the intrinsic potential of uranium enrichment plants to enrich uranium beyond reactor grade to weapons grade, it exacerbates the danger of nuclear war and its catastrophic humanitarian consequences. Nuclear power thus undermines fundamental human and biosphere rights, responsible custodianship and human security. Were the Universal Declaration of Human Rights being drafted today, one would hope that additional rights would be front and centre. The right to live free from the threat of indiscriminate, inhumane weapons, most of all nuclear weapons. The rights of future generations the rights of people everywhere to access benign renewable energy sources and to be protected from preventable, indiscriminate, transgenerational, radioactive contamination. These human rights urgently need to become prominent in the global human rights agenda. To quote Albert Einstein again, There is no secret and there is no defence. There is no possibility of control except through the aroused understanding and insistence of the peoples of the world.
1: You've been listening to the essay Stumbling in the Dark, Reaching for the Light written and read by Dr Tillman Ruff of the Nossel Institute of Global Health at the University of Melbourne. It was published in the 2014 anthology Poetic Justice by Right Now. A note on some content. While nuclear weapons are not a priority of Amnesty's programming, since this essay was written, Amnesty has co-signed a letter with ICANN to the Austrian Foreign Minister at the start of the recent landmark Vienna Conference, calling for a diplomatic process to prohibit nuclear weapons. The Radioactive Show is produced in the studios of 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast nationally by the Community Radio Network. The music and sounds you've heard on this program were gathered from the Free Sound Archive and the Free Music Archive, as well as clips from online news and organisational sources. If you want to get in touch with us or hear this program again, go to www.3cr.org.au forward slash show or find us on Facebook, we are The Radioactive Show. Thanks for listening, I'm Jessie Boylan. Be sure to tune in next week for more nuclear news and information from around the globe.